Welcome to the Two Witnesses Podcast, where your hosts, Michael and Caleb, journey through the story of the Bible, seeking a better understanding of God's Word and the spiritual war that rages all around us. Previously on the Two Witnesses Podcast, Noah and his family enter the ark, and Yahweh himself shuts them in as the floodwaters wash over the earth. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Two Witnesses Podcast. I'm Michael. And he's Caleb. <laughs> just, just leave it. Just leave it. We're good. Oh boy, <coughs> we're tired. Yes, and sick. Yes. Okay. Sick and tired of what? I said we're tired and sick. Of what? I don't know. I don't know. Satan. That's where we're tired, tired and sick of. Yeah. Yeah. You know it'd be really cool. Hmm. Is that you or me? That's you. Okay. Okay, there we go. You know what'd be really cool? Hmm. Is if when we die and God's judging Satan, because we're gonna be the jury, if we all just get one sleep one clean slap. <laughs> just slap him right in the face as hard as we can. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of would be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you want to open some prayer, Caleb? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, um, God, we just pray that you be with me and Michael as we um, go through your word, God. Um, be with our viewers. Help us all understand. Help us... Um, Give us knowledge and ideas about your Bible, or uh, about the word that we're reading today, God. Um, and help us be able to pronunciate correctly and uh, explain everything that we're thinking um, thoroughly, God. Lord, we just love you so much. In Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, <laughs> okay. uh, so... I didn't mention this in the previous episode. I didn't mention this in the previous episode, but one of the things that's new, some of our listeners will already know about this, but... Um, but of course, the one guy on the other side of the room doesn't know about it. The YouTube channel. You know about this. Dear. Oh, I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, as of when I released episode eight, we actually had... Uh, we actually have a YouTube channel where I will be posting the episodes with, it's just going to be a static shot of our cover image, uh, the fiery chariot picture. Um, right now, episodes three, five, and eight are glitchy. They cut out halfway through. I'm not sure why I need to fix that, but I will fix that shortly. And then, uh, when when we release a new episode, I will have the episodes out on YouTube as well. So now you can actually be viewers like Caleb keeps calling you. Is it just <laughs> listeners? Listeners. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. 
just think it's funny that you always call them viewers. Oh, I'm tired. Yeah, me too. Your turn to read. Uh, but I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> but it's God's word. Uh, Genesis 8. Isn't Leviticus 8. Um, yeah. Oh, Revelation. Re- okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I know you want to get there. Oh, I do. So badly. Yeah. It's going to take us a little while, though. Long time. There we go. Alright. Um, chapter 8, verse 1. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the hundred and fifty days, the water decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the seventeenth day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the top, the tops of the mountains were seen. So, let's see. So it took five months... Because we know we started on the second month, 17th day. It took exactly five months before the ark came to rest. Mm. Which means that it's the bottom of the boat touched the top of the mountain. And then it took another three months before the tops of the mountains could actually be seen. Mm. Wow. (laughs) That's pretty slow. But when you consider you're talking about waters that are covering the entire earth... It's not really surprising. Yeah. Um, did I already go over the crater on the top? No, you did not. We saved that. We saved that, remember? Did we, though? Yes, we did. Okay. Okay. Satellite images going over mountain, Mount Ararat. They picked up a crater. Okay, and this crater looked like a boat. And the Bible says here that... The no- that Noah's Ark came to rest on the top of Mount Ararat. So, um, they went and they investigated the, bo- the boat um, to see whether it was the Ark or not. Okay, God gave dimensions back in chapter 6, right? Yep. Okay. Um, this is how you shall make it. The length of the Ark, ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Okay. Cubits are about foot and a half. All right, that's, in equivalent. Yeah, so that's uh, roughly 450 feet long, uh, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet tall. Yeah, so they go and they measure it, right? 45 feet tall, 75 feet wide, 450 feet long. Exact dimensions, as it says in the Bible, at the very top of Mount Ararat. Not only that, they dug into the um, the ark into this crater and they found rooms mm-hmm. so it was a boat okay on the top now, of the when you say crater i keep envisioning an indentation yeah it's basically what it was but if they dug into this oh wait you know what hold on a sec now that i think about it i see what you're getting <laughs> yeah. at 
I, I think what you mean is that it's a it's an outcropping. It, it's something that's no, sticking out. It wasn't doing that either. No. So Crap. so it's doing um, this. No, you know what? I don't think it's doing that. I think it's like it's a little bit down, but it's flat, like the top layer, like mm-hmm. the top level. Okay. And then they dug down and found the rooms. Okay. Okay. Because I, th- I and think that's it's... how they found the the okay. depth. Yeah, I they think dug down a little bit. I think I've I've seen pictures of what you're thinking of, and yeah. it's. It's a little bit of a mound, but then it also goes down a little bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's got this weird funky shape. Anyways, they got they went in, they found rooms, right? So obviously it's a boat on the top of our arrette. But get this. Okay. Within a couple days of it being discovered on satellites, it became a naval base and is now 100% classified. And nobody knows what goes on there. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. A bunch of atheists don't want to be wrong, so they cover it all up. <laughs> On the other hand, you know, there's also the uh, spiritual aspect as well. Yeah. Spirit world covering it up doesn't want us to have definite proof like the ark. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. Oh, the miracles of modern editing <laughs> make us seem smarter than we are. Yes. Gotta love it. All right. Anyway. So we were talking about how the spirit world doesn't want us to have proof, definite proof, irrefutable proof Yeah. that, uh, you know, Bible is true. Although, you know, when you actually look at it, I, it's funny cause I was, um, I was at work today and in the magazine section, they had a, uh, history channel magazine, uh, talking about the Bible and stuff from the Bible. So I, I flipped through it a little bit. Obviously, they're worldly, naturalistic. They don't actually believe the Bible is true and all that. Yeah. So that was expected. And one of the things I found funny was um, they they had this short article on uh, on who wrote Genesis. Okay. Moses, obviously, is the answer. Well, anyway, they're naturalistic, and obviously that that explanation is not satisfactory. So their conclusion is that it was written by multiple different authors. Okay. One of whom they call Source J. Okay? Okay. Now, Source J covers all of the supernatural, the flood, the creation, the Tower of Babel, all of those incidents. Okay. So obviously... If you remove source J from Genesis, then all that supernatural stuff just kind of disappears. Yeah. See, see what they're trying to do? Oh. By, by being able to say that source... Because one of the things they said was that source they're J... they're going to start saying that, oh, obviously this stuff isn't real, so source J is incredible, so let's take this out. Exactly. Exactly. So that people will stop reading nonsense. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, um, have you ever heard of the... Uh, I think it was the Jesus Seminar... Where they they like went through the New Testament and they uh, they categorized words based the words of Jesus based on like words he they thought he did say words they thought he might have said and words they thought he definitely didn't say and when you take all that out you basically have just Jesus as a life coach and you take out all the references to his divinity and all the times that he said he was the son of man he's just a life coach a life coach (laughs) well I mean like that's the son of the son of God. 
is a life the guy coach. who came down and died on the cross for everybody's sin is a life coach. Now all I can think about is Jesus with a whistle and a <laughs> baseball cap. I know, right? <laughs> a life coach. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's how a lot of <laughs> modern churches nowadays present <coughs> Jesus. You know, I mean, he wasn't our savior who came and died for us, died for our sins to redeem us from, from our failings. But he's just, you know, someone who gives you advice on how to, how to live, yeah. you know, how to treat other people, which I mean, he does, yeah. he does, but that's he's not a life coach plus more <laughs> like life five coach... times more life coach is like maybe like 5% of his yeah. job. Life coach. <laughs> so stupid. Did they use the word life coach? I don't know if they actually use the term life coach, but it's one that's, it's be, one that's, yeah, I mean, it would be hilarious. That would be But it, it's one that I've heard used by other people uh, about that perspective. So <laughs> uh, anyway, let's see. Where were we? Um, sure. Verse five. Um. No, no. Verse 6. Yeah. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out uh, from himself a dove um, to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark himself, to himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him um, in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And Noah knew that the, wa- uh, the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. Um, okay, I have a question. Mm-hmm. So... Is there any significance in it being an olive branch that that it brought back? I'm not sure. Okay. Is that like a type of plant that like only grows in certain areas? It only grows in like rocky areas, right? Olives? Uh, I don't know enough to be able to say one way or the other. Um, I feel like I've heard someone use it to make some kind of significance, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. I mean... Everything is significant in the Bible yeah. to, in some way, even if we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there's some point to the how he sends out the raven first and then the dove and the raven never comes back. Yeah, I'm sure there's some, some purpose to that, but I don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Okay. Um, and it came to pass in the 601st year... In the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. So it took exactly one year and ten days for the flood. Yeah. Because it started on the second month, in the second month, on the 17th day, and the water, the, the earth was finally dry in the second month on the 27th day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so see, this is where pe- the Jews concluded that uh, Noah was born on Rosh Hashanah was because 
in the 601st year of Noah's life, on the first month, the first day of the month. Yeah, okay. So yeah. it's the first day, the first month, and it's the first day of the month, and he's 601 years old. And it's not talking about the 600th year of existence or anything like that. Mm-hmm. From a certain point, it's mm-hmm. the point is from his birth. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. Yep. No. That could also... Uh, I, I'm. It would appear that they're concluding that it's the first month of the year, but it could also be talking about just the first month of his 601st year, yeah. whatever that was. I don't know. But people who are way smarter than me have come to the conclusion that it was probably referring to the 601st or the uh, the first month of the year. Of the actual, the year. Which, I mean, for example, for us would be January. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, the first month of my year would be September, since my birthday is in September. Mm. Okay. Anyway, um, I think I explained that badly, but whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. So they waited for God to actually tell them to leave the ark. Mm-hmm. That must have been really hard, looking out there and seeing all the, how all the ground, you know, it's finally like green and they're still stuck in the ark. Yeah. They're like, and then Noah's like, disgusting animals and, just. Oh. And and, and Noah's we like, and we're waiting for God to tell us we can leave. Yeah. Car ride, right? Can we leave now? No, we're waiting for God to tell us. <laughs> can we leave now? No, God hasn't said we can leave yet. <laughs> um. Bring out with you every living thing of the of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Um, so you remember how you were talking about like the population of the earth? And, uh, well, they did some numbers. Uh, there's a system that they had. I don't know exactly what their mathematics were, but basically they, uh, they took the normal birth rate. Okay. And they reversed it. They did a reverse calculation and based on their calculation of the population numbers of humanity. Now, if you go backwards, Mathematically, we find ourselves at uh, eight people about 4,000 years ago. Dude, are you serious? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, mathematically. That is so freaking, like, accurate. Yeah, mathematically, (laughs) they find that humanity, the current human population basically had to start about 4,000 years ago. Were these Christians or were they? No, no this was an atheistic so that's even count. Better. Yeah. Athe- did they realize what what that meant of afterward? Or oh my gosh, of course ridiculous! Not. They're so blind. Oh, they're so hey, blind. Well, you know, I was um. The Bible doesn't exist. Here, I'll prove it wrong. Proves the Bible exists. <laughs> oh, the Bible still doesn't exist. This doesn't prove anything. Let's try yeah. another thing. Just keeps proving the Bible. <laughs> they they prove the Bible more than Christians do. 
<laughs> while they're trying proof- to disprove it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so here's something funny though uh, about the blindness of people. So, um, so there's this there's this movie called there's this video called Patterns of Evidence, uh, which I have not actually watched. I'm going to. It's on my list of things to watch, but it's supposed to be really good. Uh, but what it is is it's basically talking about the Exodus. Okay, Patterns of Evidence, the Exodus, and one of the things that they have with the Bible is, um, so they align the uh, Egyptian timeline and the timeline of the Bible based on this one pharaoh, which is, uh, I think it's Shishak or something like that. Anyway, based on the pharaoh who invades uh, Israel during the time of David, I think. Anyway, anyway, but based on that, they go, okay, so that must be this pharaoh here, and Based on that, they're able to calculate backwards because, you know, this pharaoh ruled for so long and then this pharaoh before him ruled for so long. And and so they're able to align the timelines, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is that they don't match up. The timelines don't mesh. Okay. But if you if you change which pharaoh you're aligning to and move it forward like 300 years, suddenly things start to match, match up. Okay. Okay, so here's an example of how people can be blind. So there's this... Uh, I want to say it's actually in the video, okay? But there's this uh, archaeology team, right? And they're excavating in Egypt. Christian or atheist? I think they're actually uh, Jewish. Jewish, okay. Okay, but like they believe that the Bible is true. Yeah. This this group does, okay? But here's the thing, okay? They're excavating, and they're finding records of a Semitic people, which would be the Hebrews, okay. because Semitics are different from Egyptians, okay? And they're finding these records of Semitic shepherds that lived in this uh, Goshen region of Egypt. Okay. Okay. And so the person who's doing the video, because he's doing like a documentary type thing, he's he's like, hmm, Semitic peoples, he, Hebrew, Hebrew people, basically, yeah. who, who were shepherds, lived in Goshen. Hmm. That sounds like, uh, you know, out of the Bible. The guy goes, oh, no, no, no. These can't be the Hebrews because they're 300 years too late. This is 300 years after the Exodus. Autism. Yeah, but if you just realign your timeline, all of a sudden everything makes sense. Because here's the thing: those shepherds that they're looking at, there's the graves, right? And as they go forward in the graves, all of a sudden you start to get higher numbers of children, and the adults start being the the dead bodies are starved. And there's more children. There's fewer males. Hmm. Sounds like the attempts to eradicate the uh, Jews, the, the Hebrews that the Egyptians were making at the beginning of Exodus. Remember? Kill all the male babies. The girls can live. Oh, yeah. Cut their rations. Oh, my gosh. But this can't be the Hebrews because it's 300 years too late. <laughs> Stupid. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's ridiculous. You want to keep going? Yeah, we've got uh, what uh, two verses left, and then we'll actually be done with chapter eight. Um, you're on verse twenty, so it's actually oh, that's three verses. Yeah, I can't, I can't count. Um, <clears throat> then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and took a and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings to the altar. Okay, question. 
as this was prior to the law, how did Noah know what kind of animals were clean and unclean? God told him. That's one answer. Um, they didn't taste good. <laughs> That'd be another possible answer. But remember <laughs> that this was before we ate meat. Yeah. So he, how would he know what they tasted like? Well, what, what's your explanation? Well, so God could have told him. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he could have just told him specifically like what kinds of animals. Uh, the other thing is that this could actually just be Moses who knew the law saying, okay, so he's taking clean animals because Moses looking back knew the law and knew that those kind of animals were clean. And so instead of trying to talk from a, uh, like explain it from Noah's perspective, he's explaining it to the he- to the people of his time who also knew the law mm. and would have known that those kind of animals were clean. And so he just calls them clean animals. It's just like um, if we're writing a book about, you know, Spokane, we're going to call that region Spokane, even if we are talking about its history a hundred years before it became Spokane, mm-hmm. because that's still how we and our readers know it. It's still the Spokane area. That's its name. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. Because otherwise our readers would have no idea what we're talking about. Mm. Anyway, two more verses to go. Okay. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Interesting. Um, I've got a note here in my Bible that uh, in verse 21, when he says, I will never again curse the earth or curse the ground. Uh, in I've got a note here that says that that could also be translated as dishonor. Okay. That's in, I just find that interesting. Yeah. That um, like this concept that the flood was like a shameful thing that was done to the earth. It was a dishonor. It was, I don't know. I just find that interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so we have his promise never to destroy every living thing again. And of course, later he specifically says that he will never use a flood to yeah. destroy the earth. Right Later on in chapter nine. Wait, is that when he talks about rainbows? Yes. Okay. That makes more sense. Yep. <laughs> you, you were like, there's a piece missing here. Yeah, I was like, wait, well, hold on a sec. I was always told the rainbows were a sign of God's promise, but... Uh, yep, yeah. yep. Okay. Well, of course, right here, you know, he's just, he's saying it to himself. This is God saying in his heart. Yeah. Later, when he tells Noah that he's not, that he's never going to destroy the earth with a flood, <coughs> then uh, he tells him about the rainbow. Mm. All right. Oh, Lord. Thank you again. Thank you so much for the time we've had to spend in your word. Um, Thank you for guiding us and helping us to understand it. Um, There is so much here, and I guarantee you there is so much more here than we're seeing now. You know, Ten, 10 years from now, if we're going through this again, we're going to see so much more than we saw now. And these episodes will probably take a thousand times longer. 
But um, thank you so much, Lord. Help us to, to learn and to grow in your word. Thank you so much, Lord, for, for all of the things you've given us, all of our talents and our... You are an amazing, amazing God. Just now pray. Amen. Yeah. All right. Until next time, I'm Michael. And I'm Michael. And he's Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been The Two Witnesses. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And we pray that God has used this to touch you in some way. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue our journey through the Bible. <laughs>